0: Confessions of a Crappy Christian is powered by the Converge Podcast Network. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. I'm your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake Guiche, and I'm so pumped to be bringing you season two of this show, packed full of more people telling incredible stories of who God is and what he's done. Today's show is with Lindsay Maestas. Lindsay is a podcaster over at the Living Easy podcast, a writer, a speaker, and an entrepreneur. Lindsay is really passionate about sharing hope and talking about real life from a place of vulnerability, which you know is my jam. So during our conversation, we navigate sexual history, the part it plays in your present, and how to walk through those things when they surface in your real life. Hey, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey Blake, thank you for
1: having me. I'm so excited to be here. We, my children are a little wild tonight, so if you
0: guys hear screaming, I apologize. You know what? But I am here. <laughs> They're used to it. If they listen to the show, they've heard it in the background on my end. So you are fine. <laughs> good. I'm so glad. <laughs> um, okay, to get us started, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast and your ministry and all the things that you're doing.
1: Awesome. Okay. Um, my name is Lindsay Maestas, and I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I've born and raised here. I have an amazing, amazing husband, Jesse, and two little boys, Sutton, who is almost five, and Saxon, who's two and a half. And they are wild and rambunctious, but just the greatest joys. I love Jesus. I love my church. And I have, um, I started a blog about four and a half years ago in the thick of postpartum anxiety. Um, I was actually on my couch looking for moms who felt the same way, like Googling. I just need someone to tell me I'm not crazy. I'm not losing my mind. And I, I believe it's much more of a conversation now, but at Mm -hmm. that point I just couldn't find it. And so I figured, well, I love to write. I majored in um, journalism. And so let's just try this out. And so I kind of started off by sharing in a very raw way what my experience with motherhood was at the beginning, um, that it just was not enjoyable and Mm -hmm. it wasn't something that I expected at all. And the response was awesome. And I realized very quickly that people appreciate just candid honesty And so since then, that's just where I've run my ministry from. Um, And I currently have the Living Easy podcast. I previously had the Milk and Honey podcast, and now I have my own, um, the Living Easy podcast, which has just been such a joy where I'm able to do that talk candidly about marriage and sex and motherhood and family and just the realities of it all with a faith-based foundation.
0: Yes. I'm so excited to introduce my listeners to your podcast, because thanks. Well, because you and you and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording, just about how much people and women specifically are looking for this, are looking for someone to talk about the authentic and the messy and the hard and point them back to Jesus. We have to be able to acknowledge that stuff and point back to Jesus. You know, and I feel like you see a lot of people who can do one or the other, they're embracing the mess and they're embracing the, this is hard. And they forget Mm -hmm. to tell you about Jesus (laughs) or, or it's the, everything is fine. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus is good and we're going to, everything's great. And that's. Well, and I
1: I see that a lot, like even just going into the church, when you ask, how are you? And it's Mm. like, I'm great. How are you? And a lot of the time I will double take and I'll just say, but really, how are you? Like, I really genuinely care to know. I want to know. And of course, then it comes an outflow of tears or Mm -hmm. of just prayer requests or whatever it might be, because I just, I don't believe in the facade of Christianity. I believe that Jesus has called us to a joyful life through trials because he is joy and he instills that in us through the Holy spirit. But I also believe in just grief and mourning Mm -hmm. and being honest with the fact that motherhood can be exhausting sometimes and and marriage can be really challenging and sometimes women just don't want to have sex with their spouse or men don't want to have sex with their spouse and it it challenges the marriage or that friendships are not easy and they can be messy. And so my heart with that, I love that you bring that up, like, because I agree with you. I think sometimes we can either say everything's wonderful and it makes others feel, people feel inferior, Mm -hmm. or we can only talk about the hard and then we miss the hope and Mm -hmm. the redemption that comes from Christ. And so my little slogan that I always say that just is what I speak to myself and to other women is just that we're more than our mess, that our mess is there. And it's real and it's tangible and it's ever present because that's just life. It's messy and sinful. But at the same time, there is hope in Jesus. And that's how we're more. We're not in within ourselves. Social media is always saying, you're, you're enough. You're doing great. You're enough. And the nope. truth is we're just not
0: right <laughs> at all. I'm enough um, with Jesus. He makes yeah. me enough
1: <laughs> yeah, as much as I would love to be. Cause I'm like right. a hardcore achiever. I would love to be enough on my own, but every time I try to be the best mom or the best wife, there's something that seeps in that causes me to fail because mm-hmm. I'm just not going to be perfect. And so my heart is just to let and remind women of what the hope is, but also to just kind of remind them that they're not alone in the mess either.
0: I love that. And I, what's you were talking about all like the different things that mess can look like. And another aspect of that is that mess can be very multifaceted. Your mess mm-hmm. cannot, your mess doesn't usually fit in a really nice, neat box. Yeah. And so the the area of struggle and kind of quote-unquote messiness that we're going to specifically talk about today is kind of a history of unhealthy relationships and sexual exchanges and things like that. And so we were talking a little bit before we started recording just about that kind of like with all of these things, Women are so desperate for this conversation. We were talking about how each on each, each of our individual podcasts, anytime we talk about sex, the listenership goes through the roof. And I don't think it's like a, like a quote unquote sex sells thing. I think yeah, no, Christian women are dying for other Christian women to talk about this. Yes. So- Very much so.
1: Well, and yeah, and I, I think that is the underlying factor is that the church just really doesn't address it enough. And so therefore women are the result feeling is that there's shame involved in it. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that sex is such a good and sweet thing. And unfortunately we can taint it just like I did growing up, but it is a good thing and it's intended for your marriage and it's sweet and it bonds you together. And I know there are so many women who don't desire it. And I think a lot of that comes from the shame that they feel about it because we're kind of told in the world, especially in the church, like sex is bad. It's horrible. It's vile. It's disgusting. (laughs) Save it for somebody that you really love. And so when you get to the marriage bed, you're like, wait, but everything I've been trained to know, I mean, even in society, it's like the premarital sex thing is still discussed and there's just a lot of confusion around it. And so when you get to that person that you really love and you you want it to be a good thing, you have so many influences and voices in your mind about it being dirty that you then feel dirty. And even if you wouldn't express it that way, I, I believe in the conversations I've had with so many women about this, that the underlying feeling is that shame. And so my heart is just to show and remind women that sex is created by God and not just for children but for pleasure as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and what's interesting is that you you bring up that word shame and it's so true. And I feel like women get to let's say they get to the the threshold of marriage, they have shame baggage one way or the other. Either yeah. they have shame baggage from their history or they have shame baggage because the church has heaped it on them. Right you know yeah, yeah. and they have you know the the two battles with that baggage may look a little bit different but i think ultimately the same truths are going to break women free of either whether you struggle with shame because you grew up just being told how disgusting it is or because yeah. you experimented with it and then got told that you were dirty and used goods exactly
1: yeah and it's just it isn't dealt with. And so for me, do you mind if I share a little bit about yeah, that was gonna be blade? my next question. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I, I feel like it ties into it because yeah. there's a lot of healing that has had to happen. And so um I'll just share a little bit of my testimony in regards to this topic. But I basically um when I was young, when I I was a virgin, I was um raped by someone in school. And it happened to be someone very popular and very appealing and very whatever it might be. And I was drinking and I 100% quote unquote put myself in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also very, very clear about not wanting any sort of intimacy whatsoever mm-hmm. because that was, it was something that was important to me and that I had, I wasn't a Christian, but I had those values instilled in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he became very aggressive and um, I still like, I, talk about it a lot, but it's not always, it's just hard to get into details. So oh, anyway, 100%. yeah, it happened. Um, next morning, my sister took me to the rape crisis center. They evaluated everything, gave me a plan B, um, kind of discussed my options and just with the nature of what happened. Obviously there was a lot of shame and then it's not easy. The rape crisis center, for those who don't know when you go, at least when I was younger, Um, they show you everything. So there's like a video right next to your head as they're looking at your body. And so you see the cuts and the scrapes and the tears. And that was just a lot to take in because it becomes very real. But I'm thankful, and I think this is why they do it because I'm thankful for that reality because as time progressed it became really a big blur in my mind as to if it actually happened Mm -hmm. because so many people were set on defending this guy because he could never do it, Mm -hmm. right? He was this good guy. Um, His true colors showed through later in life and not that that's something I wished upon him, but it did give me some sort of clarification in my life because I started believing, did this happen? Did I do this to myself? Did I... Was I asking for this? You know, just the lies that we hear as women so often. And so with that said, um, there's been a lot of healing that's had to happen with family members who didn't address it properly and, and just working through the shame and healing in myself and in my relationships. And so after that point, I felt, and it's very hard for me to describe why, but I felt as if I owed that to everyone I was with. Mm-hmm. And it was a situation, say I was dating somebody for a very short time, two weeks, and I'd be with them. And I felt like if you don't do this, they won't stay. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where, like how that connected for me or why that connected, but it did. And so, but I would immediately feel this, this physical feeling of filth mm-hmm. because I, I, didn't want to. With everything in me, I didn't want to, but I also was so terrified of being alone that I allowed myself to give my body and my heart, pieces of my heart to these guys. And I had long-term relationships for the most part, but I also did have some relationships where I was just trying to fill a piece of myself. Like I would be in a relationship and then I would have someone on the back burner Mm -hmm. because I was so terrified of this guy leaving me and to be alone. And so there were just these idols, which I didn't know Jesus at the time. And so I didn't recognize them as that, but idols of comfort and of dependency and of longing for these relationships. And it didn't matter what they were, how little they valued me. I just still gave my body and my heart away because I didn't want to be alone. Mm -hmm. And, and so no matter how badly I was hurt or ignored or damaged or cheated on, which happened often, um, I just, I stuck around and I had no idea of my value. And I had no idea in my mind how this would impact my future marriage Mm -hmm. because every piece of our heart, we give away in a relationship. We don't just get that back. We don't get to take it back those pieces stay with those people. We don't just forget about them. Mm -hmm. Um, three year relationships, even a one year relationship, like that's a lot of life to share with someone, especially at that age. Mm -hmm. And so what I didn't realize, um, was that I would have to work through that with my future husband and that pieces of my heart and pieces of my body were already given away to other men who didn't deserve them and who God hadn't intended for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's a little bit of. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit
0: <laughs> of this. Yeah, story. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing that. I know that that's gonna resonate with a lot of women, and it opens up a different kind of, almost like a different avenue of the conversation of sexual assault. I have uh, a little bit of a similar, actually, kind of creepily similar story, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of people assume that survivors of rape and sexual assault that they shut down sexually mm-hmm. right that you just like don't want anything to do with it and yeah. that that's you know because that's I think that's what you see on like law and order <laughs> that yeah. <them>, you know <laughs> yeah. right yeah. um the television yeah right that's like the television response but Representation. I think that yeah. um my response was one it wasn't so much out of fear of being left it was a a take back of power. Mm-hmm. If I was in control of that narrative, if I was making the decision to do what I was doing, well, then I, I had gotten the control and the power back. Um, and so yeah, I understand, you know, I had a lot of the same sexual baggage to bring into my marriage. And um man, that that has an impact on yeah. your marriage. And that's another thing that no one is preparing you for at Mm -hmm. least not in my experience and in the experience that in the experiences of women that I've had conversations with, you don't right whether you were actually like having sex with people or if you were just being sexually, you know, intimate, which that's a whole nother conversation of how blurry that line gets (laughs) and how you can give pieces of yourself to people without having sex. But nobody is talking about, hey, you're gonna have you have some, some baggage to unpack and you're going to be bringing some, some other people into your relationship. And let's talk about that now. Yeah. Before you're a year, a year in, and you're looking around going, what the hell did we do? You know? Yeah. 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 I think, I think that we forget
1: that with every person we give ourselves over to whether it's now i mean in our society netflix and chill or on and off tumultuous relationships whether you're 17 or 50 that we're giving away a piece of our hearts that should have belonged to our husbands and i just want to repeat that a little bit because it's just i want that to resonate that it belongs to the man that god if god intends you for you to be married that god intends for you and that is i mean it's sacred and so for me um, when I finally decided, when I surrendered my life to the Lord, going back a little bit, I felt like there was no hope with that situation mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I was so covered in my own dirt, so to speak, that I did not feel like there's a way to climb out of that hole. But I had seen, this is so random, but I'd seen or heard something about Jessica Simpson becoming a secondhand virgin. Oh. And I remember at that time laughing because I'm like, what kind of phrase is that a secondhand virgin? Yeah. And what does that even mean? But it really stuck in my mind for years before I became a Christian. Like, how does she do that? I don't understand how do you even start there? You know, it was a lot of practical steps, but when I surrendered my life to the Lord, when I was 19, he just dealt with it for me. Um, I didn't have to fix myself before I came to him, you know, he said, come as you are. And, and so I came as I was covered in dirt. And I said, Lord, I'm ashamed. I'm a mess. You can't even clean me. But throughout his word, it talks so much about we are made white as snow. And my favorite verse, one of my favorite verses that I memorized at the time, Second Corinthians five seventeen: in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so for me, I lived in that verse. I have become new. My sexuality has become new. My heart has become new. My purity has become new. Everything in Jesus is new. And that's not only when you're saved, but it's every single day mm-hmm. that we're washed white as snow. And so I I embraced that like a warm blanket. Like I wanted it more than anything to feel that freedom from myself and the freedom from my sin. And so I went to a local church and I walked into the Um, little bookshop, and I bought myself a purity ring, and it wasn't. I knew the purity ring wasn't going to make me pure. The purity Mm -hmm. ring wasn't going to make me a secondhand virgin, but it was a commitment. Yeah, and it was a sense of accountability for me to say this is something I'm like almost addicted to. Not sex. I'm not addicted to sex. I'm addicted to not being alone. Yeah, and I'm addicted to someone's comfort, but I want. God's comfort. I want to rely so heavily upon Jesus that he transformed me for my future husband. And so I walked, I got in my car, shut the door and I put on that ring and I could not even tell you the emotion that I could not prepare for, Mm -hmm. but just sobbing because it was this like something I never thought I could do on my own. And Jesus had accomplished it in Mm -hmm. such a short time because that's who he is. And so i I cried and I cried, and I told my mom, which I don't even know if she knew I was having sex, but I was like i'm pure i'm going I'm choosing to be pure for my husband, for jesus like and and really, at that time, my husband was husband wasn't in my mind, but once we got married um There was a lot there. Like Mm -hmm. the honeymoon was this feeling of this should be special. Mm. It doesn't feel special. It feels like I'm back in bed with an ex-boyfriend. Like Mm. I love my husband and my husband is the most incredible man. And he compares in no way to those other men compared to my husband. But when I'm in bed with him, I'm thinking this is nothing new for me. Mm. Why? I want this to be new for me, Lord. Like give me a new sense of purpose and really – that took a lot of conversation with him because I would have flashbacks in my mind. Mm-hmm. Satan really used flashbacks, dreams. Dreams have impacted me massively. It's been, I've been married for eight years, uh, dating Jesse for 11. And I still have dreams mm-hmm. about my ex-boyfriends. I don't think about them
0: right. ever. Absolutely. And
1: the enemy completely uses those things to like, take me back to that place. And then I have to rework through that. And so communication is such a massive part. And I've been very, very openly candid with my husband about what I did, what happened, where I was, what dreams I have when I wake up in the morning. I'll just tell him, babe, I had another dream. Like he just knows what I'm talking about at this Mm -hmm. point. And I'll say, can you just pray me through it? And he'll pray for me and pray over me. And I understand not all husbands are as understanding as that because they may feel threatened by that or they may feel protective over you, which is a loving response sometimes. But, um, my I'm very thankful. My husband, he sees the hurt that it causes me. And I think he's been able to see outside of that Mm -hmm. and can pray, but it has hindered the intimacy. It's hindered my ability. It's, we have thankfully worked through a lot and grown so much, but I would say the first two to three years, there were just a lot of Emotions involved. There were a lot of trust issues. I would wake up in a panic because I was cheated on so much by my boyfriends with like my closest friends. It was Mm -hmm. such a mess. Mm -hmm. I just lived in a crazy world. But I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd get this panic to check my husband's phone. Mm. And I would grab it at two in the morning and I would scroll through everything like this massive anxiety attack if I didn't look through and I didn't find anything and I'd put it down but I'd be like, I know it's, I know something's there. I know it's there. And it was this distrust of him because of what I had dealt with in the past. Again, giving my heart to people who didn't deserve it. They ripped it up and tore it into pieces. And then basically my husband is now having to put those pieces back together. And so we've prayed, we have we've had counsel over and over again. I am a massive, massive, um, encourager of getting counselors, whether you're in a really big rut or you just want it for preventative maintenance. That's what we call it. Preventative counseling so that you don't go there, but we've had counseling accountability. It's just, it's been, um, it's been a journey for sure.
0: You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network and now a message from a network supporter. Okay, so recently on my Instagram, we've been talking about cycles and fertility and periods and all that good stuff. Well, what if I told you you could get a ton of fertility insight without having to go to the doctor and have blood drawn and etc, etc. Modern fertility is an easy and affordable way to test your fertility and hormones at home with a simple finger prick. You mail it in and you get your results within 10 days. So this kind of testing can cost upwards of $1,000 at the doctor, but Modern Fertility only costs $159. Oh, and right now, if you go to modernfertility.com slash crappy, you can get $20 off of your test. You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, your hormone levels, and any reproductive red flags. And you can talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results. So instead of spending thousands of dollars or just not knowing, Go to modernfertility.com slash crappy to learn about your personal fertility for only $139. Oh. Yeah, and I think that that story is more common than you would think. I don't think that you are or I am an outlier. I will never yeah. forget my husband saying kind, genuinely so kindly and so lovingly, but saying, I can't keep paying the price for what he did. Yeah. I can't keep That's so good. Yeah. yeah. Like he couldn't keep paying. I had a really long-term relationship before he and I, before my husband and I got together, it was super, super unhealthy and emotionally abusive and just a disaster. Sorry. And he cheated on me with a friend and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I mean, I'm kind of like wigging out about how similar, how similar we just are. need to have a a Zoom coffee date, girl. I have apparently, <laughs> <just checked. laughs> I feel like I feel like it almost sounds uh, like we're making it up that they're yeah. so similar. But I, I not from things from not trusting him, having walls up with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, he would say things to me, and I would twist them to to sound like to sound like what yes. something that my ex would say that he, my husband is so kind and so gentle and would never speak to me that way and so I will never forget that and and it was true it, I was making him pay a price that wasn't his to pay and and it yeah. wasn't it was consequences that were not his to have to deal with and yeah. I mean, to a degree, you know, we were married and we were one and my stuff was his stuff and his stuff was my stuff. And we did a lot of counseling and did a lot of praying and talking. And I think that ultimately what you and I are both saying is it, gosh, it comes down to communication yes. and communication is so hard. Yeah, it,
1: it really can be. And it's, but it doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. I guess I would say, because Absolutely. I, I think there's so much in a marriage, and this is something that is very important for me to talk about as well, is how when we are coming together with a spouse, we are two sinful people. And I think as soon as we step into that marriage, we have expectations. Mm. And those expectations aren't un They're not unfair to have. I don't think it's wrong to have those, Mm -hmm. I just think it's damaging. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's wrong because it's ingrained in us. We have, we both grew up, Jesse and I, and whoever's listening, you and your spouse, you and your future spouse, you grow up in different atmospheres, you grow up with different parents. You have completely different experiences. You have different relationships, friendships. There are so many, like I said before, voices in your head. There's so many influences. So it's experiential, it's behavioral, there's spiritual differences. And you're trying to come together and say, I want you to be just like me. I want you to get me. (laughs) I need you to understand me. And I need you to just succumb to everything I ask of you. And we're both doing that. So of course, we're going to come to a head where it's like, Okay, <laughs> this is not okay. Right. I can't expect my husband to be me. Mm-hmm. And that's unfair because my heart in my marriage is to point him to Jesus and not back to myself. And that was the most damaging. I remember being on my couch in our first house and we got into a huge fight over this topic. I can't remember specifically what it was, but it was something in regards to mistrust and sex and whatever. And I remember laying there and I just said, Lord, I can lay here and I can let my past haunt me or I can remember that you have overcome the world and you have overcome my sin and I can point my husband to Jesus and say, let's come together as one to honor the Lord and strengthen our relationship because we don't have time for this petty arguing when Mm -hmm. the kingdom is at hand or I can point him back to myself and I can say, how dare you hurt me? How dare Mm. you harm me? How dare you say that to me? Because if I am the center of my universe and Jesus isn't the center of my universe, everything will point back to me. But if I win an argument, we both lose. If Jesse wins an argument, we both lose because one of us is pissed. Yes. And one of us is prideful. But if Jesus wins and we come to a place where we say, let's sit down, nobody needs to be right here. Nobody has to have the last say, the last word, the last laugh. We can come together with the heart of growing our marriage toward Christ and not back toward one another. Mm -hmm. And so that, I mean, it's, it's wrecked us in the best way to have to restructure the way we communicate and the way that we view marriage. And honestly, the sex conversation, the past relationships conversation has gotten us there because that takes a lot of guts Mm -hmm. to, to be that open Mm -hmm. (laughs) about what you've done and what you've let people do and kind of how much dignity for me that I lost during that time. And to just say to the man I most respect in the world and Mm -hmm. I most love in the world, here's my filth, especially because Jesse doesn't have the same past as I do. Mm -hmm. Um, to say those things really kind of lays down a foundation of trust and communication. And while it didn't start here, friends, I don't want you comparing in any shape way, shape or form, because the beginning of our marriage was a, it was a roller coaster of really (laughs) high highs and really low lows. And, but it's just taken time. And so now it's more so like, just as an example, when we, if I have one of those dreams, sometimes he can ask, Like, why is your mind going there? And sometimes I have to say, you know what? if I'm honest with you, I think it's because I feel really disconnected from you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you've been choosing this over me. Mm -hmm. And so while I don't want to point you back to myself, I just need to try to, I'm trying to resolve maybe why I am dreaming of these people or why when I saw this guy, my eyes lingered longer than they were supposed to. Mm -hmm. And overcompensating in that way by just being brutally honest Mm -hmm. has really built our trust. And like, he'll come and be like, hey, saw a woman with really nice legs at the gym today. And it makes my stomach sink. Of course, Mm -hmm. you don't ever want to hear that from your husband. Yeah. But when you do, and he just says, I looked away right away, I moved to a different area. And some people might think, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. That's so ridiculous. But when we had the levels of distrust Mm -hmm. in our marriage, it has built so much because I'm like, you know what, if he's willing to tell me that we don't have secrets from one another, I
0: don't need to check his phone.
1: Right. I don't need to check in because Mm -hmm. I'm trusting that he's coming home and he's pale faced telling me this woman had really nice legs. And I'm thinking like, Oh, what did she look like? Did she, was she cuter? You know, going crazy. And then he's like, reel it in. I'm telling you so that you can trust and I can step back. And so that foundation has helped so much with healing and with intimacy. And obviously that's, where I'm going, but such a huge part of good sex and healthy sex that is mm-hmm. pleasurable for both people, that is enjoyable for both people, is based on God's design. If you read the book of Song of Solomon, it discusses so many different things. Foreplay is discussed in that. Yep. Um, pleasure is discussed in that, and so we are not just meant as Christians to have sex for babies. We are meant to have sex to strengthen our marriage. And when our communication is lacking, I yes. will say that our sex life saves our communication and our sex
0: life has saved our marriage. Yeah. Times as well. I, I completely agree. I know for a fact that when I f- start to feel, you said something about, I think I feel disconnected from you. When I start mm-hmm. to feel that way, it's because we've let our schedules get in the way and we've like, let life get in the way and we're tired and we have not made intimacy and our sex life a priority a hundred without a doubt. And I think Mm -hmm. going back to talking about, you know, the, the brutal level of honesty that you and your husband function at, I think that you have to figure out what, what works for you and your marriage. I think that if that level of intimacy, I mean, I'm sorry, that level of honesty is what you need. From one another, especially like you said, with the pitfalls that you had and the struggles that you had, then that's what you do. And if it's a daily check-in that you need to have, then that's what you need to do. And if it's if that's not what your relationship needs, if you I think can manage otherwise. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, like, and my sister, my sister actually says that does not work for us. And it does, my work husband for us would either. lose it.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, and I don't but I, I think that that's the that different doesn't mean wrong you know, and yeah. I, right. Oh no, no, no. You know, I, I hear you say that with your husband and, and you know, you, you transpose everything. And I'm thinking, who that would not, that would not <laughs> Go over work well. for us, but and yeah. that's okay. Like, and I love that yeah. there's the freedom and the, the wiggle room to figure out. I actually think I have a friend that she and her husband do that though. And
1: well, and I think there's growth in it too, because yeah. I, I, when it, when it happened, we actually received counsel to do that and they called it that. They said overcompensate. Mm-hmm. We overcompensate they overcompensate because they struggled with the same thing. And it really helped them because again, it's building that level of like, if you're willing to be that vulnerable, then I can begin to trust. And yes. I think that's where we're at, maybe the past couple of years where those urges to check his phone have disappeared. And I praise yeah. the Lord for that because it was so I was in so much bondage to that. Mm. And then those conversations where if if I see him look at someone, which my husband's actually very good at self-control in that, which I'm very thankful for. But if I see a pretty girl, normally I'd be like, are you looking? You know, Mm. five years ago I would have been jealous. Whereas now I think because of communication, whether it's as as candid as ours or whether it's just a, a regular healthy level of communication between husband and wife, that you can step back and just continue to say, You know what? There's a pretty girl, but I know my husband loves me. And so I'm thankful for the building blocks Mm -hmm. to get there. And again, the counseling, the accountability with other people, because we all need other voices to kind of speak in occasionally because they see things differently than we see them. And it's so wise. I mean, the Bible talks constantly about having people pour in Mm -hmm. to us older, wiser women and Titus pouring into us so that we can see outside of ourselves and then pour into people who are younger than us as well. And so I pray that if conversations, if communication needs to be built in a marriage, that you will go to that basic foundation, the the bottom line, and then allow the building blocks to strengthen your marriage and to strengthen your intimacy.
0: Yes, absolutely. I think that, I think it's, like I said, I think you have to do, you have to figure out what works for you. And there isn't yeah. unfortunately a recipe that we can hand a guideline. People. I know, There's not. I, I know that would be so. Here, you do these three things, and you just perfectly trust each other. How you know, and have super open communication, and your sex life is awesome. I mean, yeah. you'd be a millionaire. <laughs> but I know, you know. I think let's that, work on that, right? Yeah. I feel like our two minds together, maybe we could come up. with something. I know, but but I do think that we are giving people guidelines in that you have to communicate you have to ask other people. You have to have other people in your life pouring in that you can go to for guidance and, and you have to just continue to choose one another. And I think that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, you were talking about, oh, there's a pretty girl. There's always going to be pretty girls. There's always going to be another pretty girl. I think you just have to continue to choose one another. And I, and it's not always easy. And then sometimes it is, and that's, I think important to say as well. There are days where it's really easy to choose my husband and it's really easy to love him and communicate with him and speak his love language. And I think that there are women out there that need to hear that that exists too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I think there is a place where you have to choose. And this is where I came to. This was kind of my moment of we don't really we don't really need to go so deep into the conversation was when I had a moment with the Lord where I just said, if something happens, if my worst fear happens, then what if he cheats on me, or if he leaves me, or if, if, if he finds a prettier girl who's has more sex, like I, those stupid fears because of my past can, can sit in my mind and the enemy uses them but I have to say, what if, if so, my world will not be wrecked Mm -hmm. because I have a foundation in Jesus. Jesus will uphold me. He will sustain me and I will be okay. And if I let myself go there, I think to the worst point and say, I will still be fine. And it's not my job. Like I was talking about at the very beginning, to fit my husband into the Lindsay mold. Mm -hmm. It is my job to continue pointing him to Jesus, to know and expect for him to fail in a million different areas, just as I will, and to come alongside him in that and love him through it and to point him to scripture and to prayer and to the word in, in every single, or into Jesus in every single way. And so when I get to that point where I say, okay, what if, what if, Lord, he is yours. He is not mine. This is a temporary marriage on this earth. He is forever yours. He's not forever mine. And so I want to do everything in my power as a wife to come and prepare, help prepare him, just as he helps to prepare me for that moment where we desire to hear, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm. That is the crux of all of it. Amen. But in the thick of marriage, on Earth, when we're here, I also want to be an example. I want to be a light and shine like a light on a light post. I want to be that example to couples, and that's why I talk. I, I mean, I I don't always talk about sex. This is it's a it's not as common as I maybe make it seem. No, um, yeah, but I it mean, makes also me blush. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun, but I will just say, I I think there are steps. To making it better. And one of the biggest steps, because like I said, it wasn't always strong for us. I really battled a lot of things, but was being consistent in your mm-hmm. sex life and choosing it. Some people schedule it out. I don't go that far, but if you need to, because it hasn't happened in a month or two months or three months or, or three weeks, like You should be scheduling your time together, whether it's like, Hey, (laughs) this is on the schedule. We're having sex tonight. Yep. It should be, Hey, we're going to lay down and we're going to watch a show together and we're, or we're going to play a game. We're going to have that intimate one-on-one time, which is why date nights are so important because it reconnects you and to like one another again. Cause like you were saying, um, from the beginning or at the beginning, Blake, when you were saying how you know, that disconnection can sometimes cause that lack of intimacy. Yeah. When we, when we like one another as friends, we're so much more likely to be intimate. And a lot of the time that's doing things side by side, things that you like, like my husband loves video games, Fortnite, and I'll go in. And as much as I do not like that game, I will sit and I'll put some headphones on and I'll chat with his friends and play because it makes him feel loved, even though I don't get it. I do it anyway, because I want to love him and he'll come and he'll sit and watch a romantic comedy with me or
0: play Scrabble,
1: even though it's not what he loves. And those side-by-side relationships really help to build a friendship. And when you feel those feelings of, of likeness and, and joy toward one another, you're more likely to be open and free with your body because I I tell my husband sometimes, I'm like, you know what? I'm not in a place to be intimate because we've not connected on that emotional level. And especially as women, we really, we're like, I always say we're like crockpots. It takes a long time to get to that point. And it starts from, and this is really, really, really important. It starts from the small intimacies. Mm -hmm. From the second you or your husband walk in the door and give a kiss or if you ignore one another right there. Okay. Yep. Right there. You made a decision. Yep. Are we choosing to connect? Or are we choosing to say, Hey, can you grab that kid? And I'll grab this kid and we'll do this. Or, Hey, he needs you. Or I mean, put giving them a task. The second they walk in the door, you are literally choosing in that moment to disconnect yourselves a little mm-hmm. bit, rather than saying the world is chaos around me. My home is chaos. I will tune this chaos out for three minutes and choose my husband, Mm -hmm. and I will walk up to him and I will kiss him on the lips and look him in the eyes and ask him how he is. Yeah, what a small thing, right? It is a small act, but it will change
0: your marriage. Yes, I think I think of like a rudder on a boat. Rudder is really small, but it makes a really big big impact. And yes, that decision we call it a Hollywood kiss. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> where like scientifically they say that if you kiss for longer than five seconds, it like connects you more. And oh, so with that, we have a Hollywood kiss. And sometimes when we're bickering, I'll be like, I need a Hollywood kiss and we'll like go <laughs> for it, you know? Yeah. But it, it is, it's just this, and I love the visual of this, just chaos erupting around me, mm-hmm. but I'm choosing you and you're choosing me. And we've been apart all day Let's and it's all going to be okay for three all minutes. Be
1: Okay. Well, and I love that you bring that up. Like the song, I always go back to this verse in this regard is song of Solomon two fifteen. catch the foxes for us. The little foxes that spoil the vineyards for our vineyards are in blossom. And what that is saying is those little foxes, the little issues you have this mm-hmm. beautiful vineyard and the small things are yep. what's going to wreck a marriage. And yep. a lot of the time, Not the intimacy is small, but it's the small buildup of those intimacies of giving a kiss or holding hands in the car. And oh my gosh, I'm so big on this because as an example to your children, this is one of the best ways that you can show that sex is a good thing within the confines of marriage within God's design, because there's doesn't need to be shame Mm -hmm. to give a kiss and give and hug your spouse in Mm -hmm. front of your kids. But if they don't ever see that, Mm -hmm. they're going to, they're not going to understand In the way that it should be, because when they see that consistently, they just think, Oh, this is a healthy, beautiful marriage. And so, yeah, yeah, making time for that, but catching those little foxes, catching the small things that. that you see, taking a little toll on your marriage in the day to day mundane moments. What is it where I'm, and I think that's just a way to ask yourself where am i am i choosing my spouse right now mm-hmm. or am i choosing myself or am i choosing my kids am i choosing to strengthen my marriage or am i slowly tainting mm-hmm. my marriage and when you have that the kissing and the holding hand hands you're opening up yourself emotionally you're opening yourself up physically to feel more comfortable because you can't expect like you don't kiss you don't touch you don't hold hands you don't look in the, one another's eyes and then you get to the bedroom, and you expect to get completely naked and feel fully comfortable. And just turn with your it body. on. Yeah, there's no way. No. I mean, there really isn't. No, it's just and and when we are built the way that we are, that we like a man <laughs> is an instant pot, and we're right. a crock pot. Yeah, it's like you need you need the emotional connection and then you need the foreplay for the physical connection. And for me, it is essential because of my past because it makes me feel safe. Yes. It's like, you're not just trying to race to get there, which there's no problem with a quickie one every uh, now and then, percent. But to, f- yeah, but to feel loved and seen, mm-hmm. to feel like I am important, to know God created this. And we even for a season when things were really rough in our marriage, we would pray, which mm-hmm. this is so crazy to some people, but pray before we had sex. Lord, yeah. like help us to enjoy one another. Help us to see the other for who they are. Help us to strengthen our marriage. Help me to feel pleasure. Help my husband to feel pleasure. Help this to be enjoyable and help us to want it more. Because when we get distracted, that's all the enemy needs is to distract us from the importance of intimacy for us to lose sight of how much it will grow your marriage.
0: Yes. And how much those little foxes can wreak havoc.
1: Yes. That 100%. We,
0: we just chalk all these little time. I think we've said the word choose a million times in this episode, yeah. but I think it's yeah. so, I think it's so necessary because it is, mm-hmm. it is a choice. Love is a choice. Marriage is a choice that's how you stay married is you choose each other. And that's obviously not barring extenuating circumstances that require going your separate ways. But I mean, and I, I think I've talked openly on the show. I mean, my husband and I at one point came to a point where that was on the table where it was, are we going to keep doing this or are we going to just call it? And obviously we push through and, and, we got the help and the input that we need and we're, we're, you know, we're thriving now, but Mm -hmm. that was a choice. We made a choice to not, to either fight or not good fight, right? Fight for it. And I think that we, as a society just live on such an autopilot, across the board in our work, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our relationship with Christ in our parenthood. We are living on autopilot with our faces buried in our phones and in our screens. And Mm -hmm. we, we aren't even making choices anymore. We're not even, it's not even that we're making the wrong Mm. choices. We're not even making choices because we're just kind of free falling through everything. And I think that if you, If you kind of snap awake and look around and see all of these really beautiful opportunities that are presented to you every single day to choose your children, to give them your heart and your eyeballs, to choose Mm -hmm. your friends, and to choose your husband, I think you would – I think there's a lot of empowerment to be had there. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. and healing that – oh, wow, I can be an active participant in my life and in my marriage and through the two of us working together and Christ in us, maybe this could look like I have always hoped it would. Yeah. Yeah. I completely,
1: 100% agree with that. I think, I think there is a place to where women sometimes will hear this message and they think, I love sex. I love intimacy. I choose my husband but he doesn't choose me, mm. he's distracted. Mm-hmm. And I to that I would say, one, I'm sorry that you feel that way because I know that that is a difficult situation to be in. Um, especially I hear from people who struggle with that, that say, it, it's not a man's struggle, so why does my husband struggle? Yep. But I will say there are men, I've talked to countless women, There are men who do struggle with a a lack of desire for sex Mm -hmm. and that doesn't most of the time have anything to do with you. However, there is an opportunity there to say, hey, all every defense down, every wall down, like I just want to hear you. Is there something there that you are turned away from or is there a reason that you are not wanting to be intimate? Is there something going on? I will not say a word. I just want to hear your heart. Mm Mm-hmm. And if, if nothing is communicated, okay, so be it. One, you pray. You pray for the Lord to strengthen your marriage. Um, and even the same for women who are struggling with wanting to be intimate because you struggle with shame or your past. Remember, one, that God has redeemed you. God has made you new and washed you white as snow. And you get to live in that grace and that mercy and that freedom every single day. And a lot of the time that means getting in bed and saying, I'm going to fight through this. It may not feel like the most enjoyable thing because my mind is everywhere, but I'm going to pray for the Lord to keep my mind on my husband. And I'm going to make those little choices throughout the day to strength, to be strengthened with him. But I think there's also a place where um, in first Peter three, it says wives in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husband's So that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your life. Mm -hmm. And now I know submit is a, it's a, touchy topic (laughs) for a lot of women. But um, it's also, I mean, throughout scripture, it also says, love your wives, men, like Christ loves the church. And so we're both called to these standards that we submit to a man who loves us like Christ loves the church. For me, it's not hard for me to submit to my husband because Mm -hmm. he loves me and I want to. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you make life easier for me when I listen and um, not listen in obedience, but like when I hear you out and when we make decisions together. But what this is saying is live in a way that your behavior and your purity and your reverence is an example to them without a word. Because what I think that we can do as women when we don't feel seen We don't feel loved. We don't feel attractive. We take it out on our spouse as, well, you didn't even compliment me. Or you didn't even say I looked beautiful today. Or I don't feel as pretty. Or what if I looked like her? Would you love me more? I mean, like these little manipulative kind of emotionally manipulative comments that we make. Mm -hmm. And if your husband doesn't want to have sex with you, like, what's wrong with me? Am I just disgusting? Or I must be gross if you don't want to touch me. Like these snarky things I hear a lot of women struggling with, which I get it. I've said things like that. I'm sure a million times. However, I think we have to really, really battle the temptation to make these snarky comments and instead live in the way that we desire for our husbands to live toward us. And that's, you don't want to hear snarky comments from your husband. If Mm -hmm. you're feeling lonely, ladies, walk up to him and give him a hug and a kiss. Mm -hmm. I, we have battled this so much in my marriage where I'll just be like, well, I really, I really wanted you to kiss me. And you totally came in, gave the kids a kiss, and went and did something else. Like mm. I felt so unseen. And he was like, well, I'm so sorry. This was going on in my head. And my feelings trumped my wisdom in saying I could have just gone to him and kissed right. him. Right. And all would be okay. And so if you're wanting that intimacy in your marriage, pursue it, go get it, initiate it. 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 Go get it. Ask him what he likes. Communicate that. What do you like? What do you want in this relationship, um, in our sexual relationship? And allow yourself that. And so whether you're on the end of the woman who's struggling or the man who is struggling, try to make those small changes, the small differences in your marriage by living a certain way and kind of maybe internalize your words a little bit
0: more and pray them to Jesus instead of like vomiting them out i love that and i think that's so important and like goes back to the conversation of like they can they cannot read our minds we cannot read their arms their minds i actually have a four-part let's talk about sex series that's from maybe gosh it might even be almost a year old now but we talk about that a lot about man go get it you want to hold his hand You want to, like, you want to have a quickie? Go get it, sister. Like, yeah, don't be embarrassed. No, you can submit (laughs) to your husband and still, like, jump his bones every once in a while. Like, it's fine, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, but oh my gosh, I love this conversation so much. I feel like we could keep going forever, which we may have to just circle I back know. and do this again um <laughs> yeah. but part so two, the, part two <laughs> coming soon but <laughs> to we've started closing out our episodes a little different in asking if you could take a megaphone to the universe and communicate one thing about this subject about just sexuality and the impact that it has on our relationships what would be the one thing that you would want to be able to communicate
1: I guess specifically about this topic, I would say sex can save your marriage, Mm -hmm. no matter how much you think you don't need it or want it. I, I have seen that happen with my marriage. Like I have seen us on the brink of kind of where you were saying, what you were saying, Blake of I'm on the brink of losing it and going and packing my bags because this is not working the way that I expected. Again, my expectations expected it to work. And in the moments that in those, those feelings of complete disconnection, I would bring myself or he would bring himself to pursue that intimacy. And it is amazing to me how that same night or the next morning, the emotional connection is strengthened. Mm -hmm. And I know that God created it that way. I know because in my past relationships, when I'd give a piece of my heart and a piece of my body, Those breakups are brutal, Mm -hmm. but when you're only giving your emotions, I mean, it still is very painful. But you're not giving your full self. When we give the half of our body, we literally are becoming one with one another. We are embracing one another. We are we're opening ourselves up to everything by being literally just naked in front of our spouse, Mm -hmm. and that creates a connection that you may not even realize that you need. And so, I would just say, if it's a struggle, it truly can save your marriage. I love that. I love that
0: so much. It's so good. Um so to close us out, tell people where they can find you, where they can follow you and where they can find your podcast. Okay, awesome. So you can
1: find me on Instagram at lindsay.mayestas. I know it's M A E S T A S. And then my podcast is at on Instagram at Living Easy Podcast. And then you can listen to the Living Easy Podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Play, pretty much anywhere that you find your podcast. And I would love to have you. So come and say, hello. We talk about everything from motherhood and marriage to faith, like strengthening your faith, strengthening your biblical knowledge, hard friendships, and all the
0: messy things of life, but with always pointing you back to hope. Perfect. And we'll link to all of those things in your show description so that people can find it super easily. Lindsay, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. Thank you for having me
1: on. You're a joy. I just, I I adore you. Oh
0: my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Same. Alright, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. Alright, see you next week.
1: This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online, so any small business can drive change or build an empire. Because old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. This new year, we need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So, whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, Find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com because the future isn't decided yet. It's still ours to win. Start different at GoDaddy.com.